Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Sing that song. I don't know. You guys have those out there? You know what that is? Well, I enjoyed you singing. You don't. Okay. So there was these things that you could buy in the eighties, maybe even before the eighties. It was like a, a, a planter, you know, uh, shaped like whatever, like a, a cow or whatever it is. It, it looks like a cow, but it's, it's called a chia pet. Right. And it's just like a porcelain planter with some dirt in it. And then you water it and it grows, but it grows through these little holes throughout the planter. And it looks like his hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Google it. It's funny. I will. <laughs> and then over time, they were so popular and stupid that they came out with ones of like, you know, like there's a Mr. T version. <laughs> well, that, see, that's worth buying. Maybe we should do that. Right. <laughs> Could be a Bionics <laughs> merchandise. Right. So, so, you know, it's a Chia Pets of the... the you know, the plant grows through the little holes, so it would be his mohawk. Oh, my God. <laughs> you should put a picture on the, the Facebook page of Robert Powell and then one of them things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, anyway, Carly, um, we're going to be discussing a, a film that you vehemently... What you see, It's already started. The... the <laughs> Hold on, we're getting in touch. Vehemently, shit, I can't even pronounce it. Um, a movie that you don't like. Stop. Oh, it's too Died early for so me. Well. It's too early. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <clears throat> Folks, I am not drinking today other than coffee because I still have to wake up. So that's my excuse. Not that it matters because I couldn't pronunciate anything, anyways. But there you have it. <clears throat> um, but that brings us to um, today's. Uh, well, I'm gonna ruin today's movie uh, with the title of the drink that we're um, that we're gonna do today. Um, can you guess what it's called, no. Carly? Really? <laughs> <laughs> today's drink is called. Chinatown. Oh, I thought you were like doing a double blood flare where you were going to say like today's drink's water. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like really Funny. scared. That's I was going to drink a bottle of water. <laughs> Had I thought about that, it would have been <laughs> It would not have been hilarious. I've been surrounded by water for the past three days. <laughs> oh, that's right, because it's storming yeah. out there. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, so this today's drink is called Chinatown. 
And Carly's gonna love this one as much as she <laughs> hates the movie. Um, this this drink is uh, one ounce of lemon juice, one and a half ounces of Carly's favorite oh. gin, two thirds ounce simple syrup, and a mint leaf and ice oh, cubes. Mint. This is, yeah. I mean, this this actually is. Um, I'm sure this has a different name because I'm, I'm certain yeah, I've had this before. Yeah, um, you fill a shaker with ice cubes, add all the ingredients, shake and strain into a cocktail glass, garnish with the mint leaf. I assumed that you would probably uh, muddle the mint leaf, but I guess not, it's just for garnishment. Um, but uh, there you have it, folks. That's the Chinatown. And if that didn't ruin today's episode. Nothing well. The title of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> the title of the movie that we will be watching today is Chinatown, a 1974 film, um, and here is the trailer. Lots of guys like J.J. Gittes. They're easy to find if you want to find them. Mr. Gittes, have we ever met? Well, no. Never? Never. Since you agree with me that we've never met before, you must also agree with me that I've never hired you to do anything, certainly not spy on my husband. I don't get tough with anyone, Mr. Gittes. My lawyer does. You do your job, and sometimes you find the answers to questions that should never be asked. Or you find out what happens to people who ask them. Hold it there, kitty cat. You're a very nosy fellow, kitty cat, huh? You know what happens to nosy fellows? I dislike the word cheat. Did you have affairs? Mr. Giddies. Did he know about it? Where were you when your husband died? You were seeing someone too. For very long? I don't see anyone for very long, Mr. Giddies. It's difficult for me. Mr. Giddies, you're dealing with a disturbed woman who just lost her husband. I don't want to take on that.
close to each other. Maybe you even get close to the truth. Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway in a Robert Evans production of a Roman Polanski film, Chinatown. That was Chinatown, a 1974 American neo-noir mystery film directed by Roman Polanski uh, from a screenplay by Robert Town, and it stars Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway uh, with a whole other cast of characters in this film, including Polanski himself. Um, This is probably the seminal film noir film. Uh, this This is probably the most noir of any neo-noir film that's out there. Um, and being so, I am absolutely floored at Carly's reaction to this film. And she's going to have to explain away because this is regularly, uh, held as having the greatest screenplay ever written. Uh, not noir, ever written, but greatest screenplay ever written. Um, it's, it, it's just a, it's a well celebrated film, not just for being neo-noir, but just for the acting, the cinematography, the direction, everything involved, um, with this film. Um, Chinatown also spawned a sequel um, called The Two Jakes, um, and that's something else we'll get into later. Well, we might have a double bombshell there. <laughs> right. I'm sure we will. <laughs> um, and it's also more recently um, seen a little bit more uh, uh, interest um, from David Fincher. Did I read something about TV series? Yeah, David Fincher has teamed up with um, Robert Town to... Uh, create a series. I believe it's for, it's for HBO. Um, and I'm not, I, I don't know if Fincher's still doing stuff for HBO though. This was announced last year at the end of last year. So it's not that long ago, like maybe six months ago. Um, but I, I thought Fincher kind of moved over to Netflix. Um, although that may be the reason why he's not going to continue Manhunter on Netflix. Maybe he's switching gears uh, from, uh, I think, uh, Mank uh, he's doing next, which is the, um, I believe it's about uh, um, Orson Welles and um, making Assistant Kane, uh, which is also something I will be all over. Um, Like a rash. Yes, absolutely. A horrible, horrible rash that (laughs) (laughs) can't pronunciate words. Um, And uh, so hopefully from from Mank, he goes from that to uh, this Chinatown series, because I'm I will be in heaven that with the new Perry Mason that's coming out. It's going to premiere in a few days. Um, Actually, probably will have already premiered by the time you guys are listening to this. Um, So I'm pretty excited about that as well. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of up in arms because they're they've switched it. I'm dubious of it. I'm always wary. I'm excited, but wary. Oh, it looks good. Like, I don't know if you watched the trailers, but I think it looks really good. People were just like angry because they switched him from a uh, a lawyer to a private investigator. I don't really but care. People are always going to get angry about it when somebody does a 
a different version or a new version. Sure, sure. And and I guess, you know, I, I never read any of the books or anything. I just know the TV show, both the, the TV show versions. Um, and I, I liked the newer Perry Mason better because it had William Catnett, who I was a fan of from uh, Greatest American Hero. Um, and House. House is such a great horror film. Um, but um, so I was never I, I've, I've watched some of the older Perry Mason stuff, but I, I never really got into it as much as the newer ones. I always preferred Ironside. Ironside. Yeah, you know, I watched that a little bit, too. Yeah. So I'm after diagnosis murder on CBS Justice or it was until he changed the schedule. Yeah. Is it not on anymore? No. What's that? Do you know, I'm going to write an email to them. Good, I want dude. diagnosis murder back. And I want to watch Ironside uh, afterwards. Ask for an endorsement from Barry. <laughs> yeah. If you put it back on, we'll do a podcast for it. <laughs> <laughs> or Jesse now. Now you're friends with Jesse too. <clears throat> Don't be bitter, um, <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. He's so great in 18 again. You have to watch that movie. I do. Do you know what? I, I keep... Um, going to watch films and then completely forget. I need to write a list because I keep going to I think, oh, I'll watch a film. And then I, all yeah. the ones that I'm supposed to watch that you've told me to watch, I did just go right out of my head. I, I end up watching like House again or something like that, the TV show or uh-huh. something that I've already seen recently. Trapped in a loop, oh, watching the yeah. same stuff over and right. over again. Well, check it out when you get a chance because it's, it's so great and he's just amazing in it. Um, anyway... Uh, so yeah, so there's a lot of, um, cool projects hopefully coming up in the sort of noir, um, you know, vein. Um, and I'm looking forward to those, but Chinatown is one of the ones that are like tops my list. I'm, I'm so excited. Hopefully that happens. Um, cause I haven't heard any other news about it, but, um, if it happens, that would be fantastic. Oh, we have to congratulate Ian. Yes. Why? Why do we have to? I don't. What, because he came runner-up in the, the 2000 AD Art Stars comic competition thing. Uh huh. And he came runner-up. Oh, did he really? Of like thousands of entries. Wow, that's yeah. very cool. Uh, congratulations, Ian. I mean, obviously, we'll probably be about three weeks late well. when this airs, but. It's okay. Still, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, he does some fantastic artwork, and he's done stuff for a lot of our projects, and hopefully, he's gonna be doing something for this podcast as well. So maybe in season two, because as some of you might know, this is our final episode of the season. Um, in season two, maybe we'll have some updated artwork, and you know, uh, from Ian that you can you can check out, make us look good. Yeah. <laughs> Paint me in shadow. It's the best way. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so Chinatown is such a fantastic, complicated film. Um, I remember the first time that I watched this and I had to have been um, maybe 18 First time I saw it. So that would have been like, uh, you know, 98, 99, something like that. Um, And I had to watch it because of film school. Um, I hadn't seen it before that. I knew of it, but never watched it. Um, And at that time, I wasn't a fan of noir. Um, Not till a little later. Um, 
And obviously, you know, everybody knew Jack Nicholson at the time was, you know, a great actor and whatnot. But um, this movie, like, I don't know, it was, there's just something about it. Did this like change your, start to change your opinion on the war? Was this like one of the, the trigger films? It wasn't, oh. but only because I didn't view it, like I didn't know anything about noir. Like to oh, me, noir okay. was just like old films from the 40s. So obviously you can tell that this movie is set at a certain time period, but it wasn't It wasn't sort of a, a seminal kind of uh, get you into noir films movie for me. That didn't happen till later till I started actually becoming more educated about film history. Um, but I instantly fell in love with the movie itself. It was just so cool. And so I, I've always been interested in detective type stories and, and films. So it wasn't like a far stretch to, to like this movie. Um, but granted, I was confused as shit watching this movie. Uh, even the first time I watched it, I did not, I didn't know anything about, uh, the, the water, um, backstory in LA or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and this movie is, is fictional. What, what happens in this movie in terms of the water and diverting it and selling it at a low, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff, um, isn't accurate to what actually happened, but there was a bunch of shady stuff that happened in LA with the water system and diverting it. Um, so it's, it's, it is based in truth, but what happens in this film isn't 100% accurate. And a lot of people think that it is because some of the names that um, town used was uh, very similar to um, people at that time when, when the water rights thing was happening. Um, and I know that I believe there's some, after that happened, there's, there were laws put in place that kind of stuff can't happen anymore. Um, and actually there's a new, um, uh, the last season of uh, Goliath, if any of you are watching that on, uh, I believe it's on Amazon. Um, was extremely similar to that uh, story or that concept as well uh, with the water. Um, and, it, and Goliath is also a neo-noir uh, show with Billy Bob Thornton, which is pretty decent. And he plays a lawyer in that. See, I, I found it very convoluted. I, I'm not going to lie. When I tried to do my synopsis in a nutshell, um, mm -hmm. it didn't go very well because I just really <laughs> found it just so... Uh, not confu confusing is the wrong word. I think I was just, I don't know, maybe I, I wasn't paying proper attention to it or... I don't think so. I don't know. And that's why I watched it again. And the second time I realised that maybe I didn't need to focus so much on the things that I was trying to focus on. And I enjoyed it a little bit more, but still probably not as much as you and half of the population. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that the movie is convoluted but not in a bad way one of the one of the major draws for me with this movie and the reason why i think the the screenplay is so celebrated is because you're not you're not fed information in a typical way that most mysteries do mm. you you find everything out in this film as as Gettys get, finds out as, as yeah. Jack finds out and there's no simple way to piece this together. Like it, it's all based on your own personal intelligence level, how you string things together and what you're, what you, you know, you, you perceived as you're watching every scene. Um, and if you go and there's plenty of analysis videos and, and write-ups of this movie that have been around for ages now, 
Um, and if you go back and you watch some of those, um, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant how town set the movie up and included all of these clues throughout the film. They, it's been said plenty of times that all, everything you need to know to figure out the movie is set up in the first act. Um, and that blows me away because I'm like, what? It's so confusing. How you know, but it's all there. And if you go back and you watch or or read some of these articles about the show, about the movie, um, it is. Everything is 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 set up and is there, and it's such a perfect little package. But it's all overshadowed by um our lead character um trying to figure out this water rights issue. And um, and that's where most people focus and, and go to as the story's unfolding. Oh, it's, everything's happening because of the water and he's following the clues. Right. And he says, well, maybe that's, that's actually uh, the two Jake. So I won't bring that up, but um, mm-hmm. so he's following the clues and, and uh, it leads him on this, you know, this switchback of, you know, mystery. And, and eventually everything that you thought you knew either doesn't matter or is something much darker than you thought it was. Um, so I, I think that that's the brilliance of the movie is not knowing and it be convoluted and not knowing what to understand or what to piece together to make it make sense. Cause it really, my my perception of it is that this must be what it's like. This must be what it feels like to be a detective. Oh, yeah. I'd say it's very realistic human journey. Yeah. Um, and, and and not knowing what what this information. What's a clue? What's real? What's going to pan out? What's not? Yeah. This information you have all in front of you. How do you link it and how do you piece it together? Um and watching him do that and no, in no sure way. Like you could tell he's probably just as confused as we are. Like he's every time he discovers something, it leads to, you know, 10 more questions. Mm. So it's not like it, as soon as he solves a piece of the puzzle, something solved. Cause it's really not all it does is bring him to splinter off into yeah, five other different parts. Exactly. And, and, and that's where the confusion comes in, but also, that's, I mean, that's a real mystery. And I think that's why I loved it so much because we're just like, we're just following this guy. We're just, we're just a fly on the wall. Just kind of, let's see where this goes. Kind of, uh, you know, ride. Um, and it eventually all comes together and it's not like a, a flash bang at the end of like, you know, like a big Hollywood film where it's like all of a sudden they just tie everything up in a neat little bow it's like the third act is like a true third act. It's like it literally starts going through all of these little pieces and just the dominoes start falling one after another after another until this crazy climax. And you start piecing together early on in the film from, you know, the 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 gardener talking about the, you know, salt water, not good for the glass. I mean, like who pieces that together? It's such a, it's so random at the beginning, but it's right there. Like uh, <laughs> the guy's glasses in the water and it's salt water. And uh, Mulray was drowned, but had salt water in his lungs. And 
you know what I mean? It's like, there's so many, like it all, it's all sprinkled throughout it. You just have to, you just have to accept it and understand it. And, and so the third act just brilliantly just kind of lays that stuff out and just kind of follows like dominoes. Um, so yeah, I was, I, I was really, you know, I, I folks at home that are listening to this, I, I had Carly up and I, every time we watch a movie, I'm like, Hey, what'd you think of that one? <laughs> so we, can either, we can either privately bash it or praise it, you know, before we do an episode. And I, I was worried just because it was, it feels a little convoluted that she wasn't going to like it. And cause she's British. <clears throat> but, I <heard> um, that. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not arguing with that, but I heard it. <laughs> um, if, you know, so I was really curious if she was going to like it. And, and unfortunately, as much as she might try to play off her dislike for it in this episode, which I think she will, I, I really think she did not like this movie. <laughs> I didn't, but yes. I got to the root of why I didn't. Because if you remember, I was like, all I got was about 15 text messages from Jason and then like sad face emojis and like crying, angry gifts. Like it was all coming out. And I was like, and then just why, why? And I was like, I don't know why. So but that bothers me because I can't just not like a film because I didn't like it. Like I can't just go, oh, it's crap. That's it. I have to know why I didn't like it because I, I understand why people love it so much. And I couldn't understand why I didn't like it. So I figured it out now. It's fine. Hmm. Okay. You gonna tell us? I'll keep it. You gonna save it for later? <laughs> keep keep it. it a secret. Well, <laughs> that's not fair. Thing is, I did. I did. I think I went into it a bit wrong as well because I'm always wary of classics because if you don't like, it's almost like you can't have an opinion if it's considered a classic because mm-hmm. if you don't consider it a classic, you're not seeing it properly. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not watching it properly. Maybe I'm not paying enough attention. And that's when I watched it too much and started getting too tied up in stuff that didn't even matter. Um, and then I sort of lost interest in that because I couldn't see where it was going. Um, and I'm quite ignorant, really, because I've never really had any interest in seeing this ever before now, before you. And now, now, why is that? Because um, you're you're a fan of noir. Yeah, I know. It's a detective movie. What, having not known anything about the movie, why would you have not had any interest in it? I don't. I don't know why. It, it's never been one that's appealed to me as to oh, I've got to watch that. I always saw it and thought, oh, if it's ever on TV, I'll have to have a look at that. But I've never actively kind of sought it out. Hmm. And again, I couldn't put my finger on why I've never done that. It's just always kind of been in my list that, that I Is lose. it maybe because of the 11 Academy Award nominations? Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't is even it, know is about it that. Maybe, I didn't even know how maybe, successful it was at the Oscars. Is it maybe because of the, uh, you know, the infamous director, Roman Polanski, or or its amazing stars, Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway, or the fact that uh, John Huston is in it, which is also another amazing thing and a hat tip to noir uh or is it that it won best screenplay at the academy awards or that it's I in the it's national registry I, watch it. <laughs> I mean i could go on and on yeah, I don't, <laughs> as to um, why you wouldn't have wanted to watch it but <laughs> i just really um didn't didn't gel with it and there's things that i appreciate in it like i like the idea i like the theme that everyone's a victim sort of thing doesn't matter what you do 
if you want mm-hmm. to target. It's very noir. It's yeah. very dark. Um, I like Jack Nicholson a lot in general. I was certain that you didn't. So I thought, I, assu- I assumed that he would be great anyway. I was very surprised at Faye Dunaway because I thought she was oh, brilliant. She's amazing. She surprised me a lot though, to be fair, because you know what? I'm, I'm quite harsh on actresses. Females. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she was, she was fantastic. She really is. And, and speaking of her real quick, I, I want to interrupt you because I like interrupting you. Okay, go for it. Um, but speaking of Faye Dunaway, there is an, a fantastic episode of Columbo uh, that she is in. Uh, I believe it's called For the Love of the Game. Oh, is that, is that the what the special one where he, she gets away? Yes. Oh. It's one of only two episodes. And I think this is the only one where the the killer actually does get away. The other episode, they don't. I wouldn't consider it that they get away, but also it's uh, Peter Falk has spoke about it being his favorite episode as well. And he's, he's head over heels for fade on away as well, even though she, you know, the past 30 years is maybe even longer than that has gotten a horrible rep uh, for being a shitty person, but um, she's an amazing actress. I think she's fantastic. And, and those are, those are my two favorite things I've ever seen her in is Chinatown and uh, that episode of Columbo. Yeah, she was she was really great. I really liked it. And to be honest, mm-hmm. I I read a load of reviews afterwards to see if there was anybody that had a similar opinion. And the people that did were sort of ragging on the ending. And that was the reason why they didn't like it. And I don't agree with that because I think that the ending is great, actually. It's very it's very dark. It's true to life. Stuff doesn't always end the way you want it to do. Well, um, and I couldn't really get at they were they were tearing the ending apart and saying that that's why it ruined the film for them. And actually, I was zoning out of the middle section. The ending is where it sort of pulled me back in, and I thought, okay, this that's why it's worth a second watch for me. Well, okay, so I I don't really understand why why people have such anger for that. The reason why is because the original ending. Is not what's oh, no, I read that. is on film. Okay. So, so town didn't want Evelyn to be killed. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert. Maybe I should. We should need a sound effect or something, or just bleep me out through the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, <I like laughs> every, that every time idea. I talk, it's beep. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just hear Carly. <laughs> Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. That's a bad idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the original ending, she doesn't die. It was more of a happy ending. Um, and Polanski uh, n- changed it. He 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 saw some. He you know I mean he's <laughs> he is you know uh, um, an amazing filmmaker. He's an amazing director, and it's one of those things where. Uh, he he sees a, a big picture in terms of cin- you know cinema, as to where Towns a screenwriter, not necessarily a filmmaker. Although he's, I believe he's directed a couple of films now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but um, you you see things differently in the way that people consume media, and whether it's films or books, it, the stories must change uh, in those different mediums. 
and fans of the book typically don't like the movie because it's not the same and vice versa. And I mean, and it really shouldn't be, and it can't be because they're just, it's a different medium altogether. Um, so I kind of looked at it like that. Like I think town had a bit of tunnel vision when it came to that and it was his ending and he wanted his ending that way. And so you have the people that, um, kind of jump on that camp. Um, and then you have, the Which people. I can understand because we've had these discussions over certain things where you've kind of said, no, this this would be the better way to go. And I've kicked and stomped my feet for days. Yeah, exactly. Because and I'm right And then when it's wrong. all said and done, okay, you did all right. Okay, maybe you got that one, Morris. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I usually win those arguments. <laughs> well, yeah, because you've got the camera, so <laughs> you've got the software. So it's... <laughs> No, folks, she's lying. What it usually ends up being is we're like, well, let's do it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then lets everybody else decide and then they can't decide because it's always an even like two and two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when you start making film by committee, it, it, it loses its magic to me. It's, it's yeah. fine. I mean, if it, if, if that's what it takes to get a movie made, that's okay. But, um, you know, I, it's, it's one of those things where like with this film, you have to, you have to kind of surrender and trust the director. There's a I reason. am drawn to more tragedy though. Like I like dark tragic endings. Sure. I'm a bit like sinister like that. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, like it, it works so much better this way, you know, it just, it just works so much better this way. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I didn't, it's one of those things where I find that out after the fact I didn't have a problem with the ending. It was sort of like a shock, like, Oh my God, wow, that's horrible. Um, but, uh, it's like most people like you, I believe that have the problem with like the incest and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, that's like, I, I get that, but it's just a movie. So, hey, Carla, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. All right, guys, we're back and we're going to keep talking about this film. Yeah, I think I think that's what it what boils down to for the reason why I'm not as keen on it in general is because I just think it's the dark subplot um it's just not something that I would ever really normally gravitate to yeah and I don't think I don't think anybody normally gravitates towards that (laughs) so it's like when I hear you say that the world's a scary place I don't know I wouldn't say that as a blanket statement to be honest (laughs) I would say most normal people (laughs) Most, there's, there's some there's some pretty sick puppies about. Most average people would not naturally navigate towards incest storylines as like. No, a, but some people like quite darker subject matter, don't they? They they will specifically go and sort of pick a film out if they know it's got darker subject matter in it. That's true. Either, that's I don't know. True. They're that, interested in it or or whatever. Um, whereas I would actively stay away from stuff like that. Yes, no, I totally get that. All you fans of Train to Busan and things like that, I totally get it. But I, I, I do agree with Carly that I, I typically kind of stay away from things like that, too. But not when it's like hailed and celebrated of a film um, by most people. If, if a story has like an element that I'm not necessarily like happy about, like incest, because it's, it's pretty like, for instance, look at um, what was the second X-Files movie? Um, they dealt with... Uh, Oh yeah, you know the, With the Billy. yeah the Catholic Church and the um, uh, sexual molestation of you know yeah all the, all that kind of stuff. That's something like that hit me from left field when I'm watching that movie, right? 
And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> Chris Carter like totally went there. This isn't an episode of TV where it's sort of slid under the door kind of in a subtext kind of way. This is like in your face like mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of kind of thing. Um, and so I wouldn't have went to watch that movie because it has that in it. That, that would be weird. Um, and I don't watch Chinatown because it has that element in it. But when you're dealing with a story that has super powerful characters in it, characters that are super rich, super powerful on top of the world, control and own, you have to look at what's the worst thing that they can do that affects the 99%. Okay. All all the normal people is because, um, it sounds silly. Like I could watch a horror film and have some watch somebody getting, you know, their insides ripped out and hung up as a decoration. Doesn't bother mm-hmm. me. But I can't watch like home invasion films because that's something that could happen in real life. And to me, that's scarier than someone running around in a mask and threatening to hack your fingers off, which is probably silly. There's probably more people that would want to hack your fingers off. But... <laughs> And I think that's the kind of the same the same issue that I have with like darker subject matter is it scares me to think what people in power can can do 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 and get away with. So something like that having that aspect in it is what automatically sort of makes my brain recoil and go oh oh no not liking this. Epstein, Carly's talking about you. Oh wait, <laughs> he's no longer with us. Thank God. <laughs> um. No, I, I, I understand that. And I think that in storytelling, we need those things to shine light on them because those are real, oh, definitely. those yeah. are real world things that do happen. And there are very disturbing, disgusting people in this world that are opportunists. And obviously it's about money and that's because we are living in a capitalistic society. Um, and that's just kind of how it works. People will exploit the weaknesses of, of the world to capitalize on it. Yeah, and, I definitely agree. Like that's that's the way that you get people to change their minds, sure, and open their eyes. Mm-hmm. It's just I think that's the only because this should tick every of every box of mine, and it just doesn't. And the only thing I can on a second watch, the only thing I can kind of pick at and say that that I personally do not enjoy is that aspect. But I mean, that's and you're not supposed to enjoy it though. Like you know that, yeah. Right? That's that's just me though. It puts well. I, I know that. <laughs> I, would, I would be disturbed if you did enjoy it. <laughs> That's just kind of like, you know, like how some people can't watch films if there's blood and some people can't watch films if there's gore and some people mm-hmm. refuse to watch a film if there's a gay character. Um, it's just it's just a dark sort of motif for me. It just sort of taps into something that I'm that I'm scared of and it just automatically just affects what I'm watching and it should Carly don't be it did (laughs) never mind I was gonna say something just wrong go ahead and continue god no we'll (laughs) skim over that don't be saying wrong stuff (laughs) oh boy I don't know I, I I don't find it um I find it disturbing, sufficiently disturbing, but mm-hmm. in, in a way that evokes emotion and I'm, I'm oh, yeah. good it, with that. And I think that that's, yeah, that's, that's the purpose of it. It's, it's what can this guy do? What's the worst thing this guy can do? Um, you know, to make you hate him. Yeah. 
And her father, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's horrible. (laughs) It's really horrible, but it ties everything together and makes the story so much more than about water. I think that's what makes the ending so horrific for people to swallow as well, is it? Yeah. Right. The daughter away. Because that's why she shoots him in the arm. Do you remember? Evelyn shoots him in the arm because he goes to, to grab the girl and she's like, he's not, he's not having, you know, doing to her what he did to me. So she shoots him in like the arm, gets in the car and then they try and drive off and then that's when the police shoot her. And then there's, she's like lying dead with one eyeball because I think she has shot through the eye. Um, <laughs> right. Leave it to you. <laughs> which was which a horrific shot. Like, um, the evil tyrant drags her out of the car while she's screaming for her mum. And the police are all holding Jack Nicholson. And then that's when he does the final line. Don't worry, it's Chinatown or whatever. Right. And then it ends. The first time that you watched it, what did you, what did you get from it? Did you, when you get to the end, did you piece it all together? Did it kind of make sense? Was it just too convoluted and you're like, ah, whatever? Um, the first time I, the first time I finished watching it, I was a bit like, eh? That's kind of the expression that as you, if you can imagine me sat myself and going, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, but you do that I, over I, everything. Well, yeah. <laughs> eh? Huh? It was a bit, I, I was kind of left a little bit scratching my head. Mm-hmm. But again, that's because I think I'd focused, tried to focus too much on all the red herrings and not actually really paid that much attention. So I was like, I'm a, I'm a little bit, hold on a second. And I was trying to go back through it in my brain. And then that's when I think you messaged me. Literally when I was sat there looking confused, I should have had a question mark above my head. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, and then I went and read some reviews of it and I was trying to think, well, I must have watched that. I missed something here. Missed the trick. And then that's when I watched uh, The Two Jakes. And they went back and watched Chinatown again. Mm-hmm. And you didn't like it anymore? I was less confused on the second one. Right. I was less confused. Um, I mean, the first the first time I watched it, for the first 10 minutes, I, I kept expecting Jack Nicholson to burst into like a sarcastic rage. Like he doesn't as good as it gets. Um, <laughs> so it took me ten minutes to realize, like, no, he's not. He's he's not doing that. Right. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a romantic comedy. No. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say that I watched that. I, can we cut that bit out? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a pretty funny movie, though. I do enjoy it. I do enjoy yeah. it. 
I, I like that film a lot. My yeah. father-in-law made me watch that film, actually. He recommended it to me yeah. as, a, as a really good film. Um, and it, it, it's to be fair, this is quite sad. This is another confession. That's probably in my top ten. <laughs> as good as it gets is in your top ten? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Interesting. What do you think of the soundtrack on this movie? I liked it. I liked that a lot. I love it. I think it's amazing. Oh. Yeah, I bought it on vinyl. I listen to it occasionally. It's it's so good. I mm. read. Um, it's very atmospheric, and it looked it looked like looked fantastic. Yeah, I I read a quote or maybe a semi quote. I'm not really sure um, about uh, Plansky. I guess um, talking to the composer about how he wanted it to sound, and he he's told him I wanted to I want it to sound like sex. But not good sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And there's a composer like, yeah, okay, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. I've got a tubular bell. What else? <laughs> but uh, the soundtrack is fantastic, really. I mean, I love that. I love the saxophones and everything. It's got a great yeah, it's, theme. It's very atmospheric. Um, yeah, it turned out pretty well. Something that did not carry over very well to the sequel um, was the soundtrack, unfortunately, but. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it seems like maybe they could have just repurposed some of the the stuff for the second movie, but that's got its own ten year history, fifteen year history of issues we can talk about <clears throat> later. But um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I I still I'm still floored that you know you didn't like it, um, not even a little bit, and you thought it was confusing and didn't like the. You know, obviously the disgusting bits of it, you know, but, um, which is understandable, but I still think that the, the style, the acting, the cinematography, the script, everything about it, I just think it's fantastic. It's so well-made in my opinion. Um, so I, you know, I know, I know we can't please Carly all the time. Maybe we can't even please her most of the time. Well. Unless <laughs> unless we're watching some 39-step movie, but, you know, maybe a Bogart. Or The Matrix. Or The Matrix, yeah. We're not going to cover The Matrix on this podcast. <laughs> not going to happen. be two hours of you moaning. <laughs> I didn't even like The Matrix when it originally came out. <laughs> How does it even go in their heads? I don't get it. No, it was I totally got the movie it's just i was a big fan of um dark city and when yeah, i saw yes, the I, matrix yeah. i was like dude they just ripped off dark city what is this this is so dumb and i wasn't like a huge keanu reeves fan he's okay he's he's fun to watch but he's not like a great actor so it wasn't i, I was just like eh you know it was just all style to me um and then there was another movie that came out before too called the 13th floor which is also very similar to the matrix. Um, but you know, the one with the bigger budget and the better special effects is the one that's always going to be the one that's, you know, six in memory. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and there's the other one too. Existence. Um, Oh, with Jude Law. Yeah. With Jude Law. Yeah. That was another sort of matrix movie. I like all of them better than the matrix, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, whatever. It's not that I don't like the matrix. It's fine. But it, I wasn't as enamored with it as most people. 
I have this friend of mine, uh, Matt, who actually is the composer for, you know, Curious Case and uh, Millennium After Millennium and other projects I've done. But um, he is he. I wouldn't say he is now, but he was the biggest Matrix fan. He would watch. Oh my God, we need to have a conversation. I need to have a conversation. <laughs> he would watch that movie nonstop. I mean, I just was like, oh my God. <laughs> For one of my art projects in school, I did a, I did Neo uh, dodging a bullet. I uh-huh. was like a paper mache. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Still got it. Street hates it. Do you want to know Still word? got it? No, they just kind of went, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean what's that <laughs> it were you <laughs> the exam board will piss off <laughs> I mean he's got no hand because it was about 20 years ago he's got no hand and like his cape's bent but whatever he's <laughs> obviously stood the test he has of a time. cape yeah like you know like his big long his like, coat I did it like yeah, a cape I did coat. it like a cape though okay. you know Artistic license and all that. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Looks like Batman bending backwards without his mask. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Before we get into the rating of this movie, Carly, I want you to pick what your favorite part of this film was. Okay. Um, We already know what you hated. What's your favorite part of this film? What is, had they, yeah, do this. What's your favorite part of the movie? And Tell me how they could have made the movie better for you. Okay. My favourite part of the movie is probably a little bit surprising. It's actually um, where he's in the barbers and he's having his, like, shave and whatever. Uh-huh. And that bloke tells him what trash he is. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he yells at him for about 10 minutes. It's yeah. screaming in his face. Um, I, I, that, that was my favourite part of the, the movie. I thought that was fun. I thought that was great. <laughs> so... So no, he, I did because he was totally right. He was like, "You're calling me trash, man." People come to me when they're desperate. You, you're just kicking people out, making people desperate. Shut right. up. Is he regular? Get him out. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, no, that was that was a good moment. That was that was kind of exposing a little bit of the underbelly of LA, and I think a little bit of paparazziness and private investigators and splashing all that negative news on the newspapers and things like that. When, I mean, let's face it, Jack's not really the greatest guy in the world. All right. But he's not a bad guy either. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's probably got more morals than that banker. Like he says, sure. You don't give people mortgages. You turn people out. Right. And he's not wrong. And even back then, you know, that's, that's something to say, you know, nowadays it's like, it's even more prominent, you know, it's a, that's still very topical today. <clears throat> well, cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great movie. What, how, what could they have done differently to make this movie amazing? The thing for- is, it's that, that's kind of like, for me, that's a bit of a, a pointless question because the only thing that I can. It's not because maybe Fincher's listening. <laughs> In town's Don't listening. Incesting. So they're like, well, yeah, Listen, you know David. what? You need to get over that. You just need to because that's just the thing. It, it's just part of the story. Just, you know, you got to overlook that kind of stuff. L- watch the movie for what it is. It's not about incest. Yeah, but that, that's the whole point of what I've said as to why I personally but do not gravitate and rate films like that because it's just it's just something ingrained that for some reason it overrides anything else. Hmm. I, I can see the merit. I can see 
every other aspect, I can see how it's fantastic, but just for me. But then you should have been into the movie for the entire time until you found that out. Aha. Uh-huh. Well. <laughs> see, I think it's more than that. <laughs> it's fine. Well, not, I totally not understand. massively because. I don't know. I just, I don't know what's, what I can put my finger on that to say. Like, this is the problem with classics. You're wrong if you don't like it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're wrong, but you're not wrong because you don't <laughs> like it. You're just wrong. <laughs> I just don't. That whole bit just kind of skewers. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't around when this movie came out, you know. I was, you know. Which, which is, again, it's what it's designed to do. It's meant to make you sort of reassess things and, and relook at things. So it worked. Right. I just didn't. I mean, I, I guess. Appreciate I guess what you're saying is probably the same way that I feel about movies like Old Boy, or Audition, or something like Old Boy. I thought it was a fantastic movie, though. I wouldn't say I didn't like it. I liked it. I thought it was great, but it also carried that um, incest thing, and you don't find out until the very end of the movie. And I don't know if you've ever seen Old Boy. No. Oh wait, is that the horror? No, it's not. Well, it's probably considered it's a Japanese horror movie. I think it's Japanese, right? I can't remember. Um, but um, it's not the remake with um, uh, Josh. Uh, um, Josh. Josh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was last night right now for whatever reason. Uh, from Goonies, the older brother in Goonies. Uh, I can't think of his name. Anyway, uh, Brolin, Josh Brolin. Um, it's not the remake with him. It's the original one, right? Okay, so this guy gets kidnapped and he is put into this room and more or less like tortured. He's just kept there for like ever. And then eventually he gets, uh, there's, oh man, it's been years since I, I saw this, how this happened. A woman is now in the room and anyways, he falls for her and they have sex and all this kind of stuff. And then he eventually gets out and he finds out that it's his daughter, Oh, that's horrible. It's one of those movies I'll never watch it again. That's the reason why my memory is a little sketchy on the ideas behind it. So I would never watch that movie again because it, would, that would, it, it, it hits you in such a way. It's just so awful. But it was amazing. It's like so well made and so well done. And, you know, part of it is because I've only seen it once. My memory of it is a little sketchy how the events happen. But um, that that's the idea behind it. For whatever reason, they're doing this to this guy. I can't remember if he did something to them. They're getting him back. If it's a revenge story or whatever it is, I can't remember. But, um, you know, it, it was just so WTF at the end of the movie. Like, yeah. oh my God, are you kidding? It was just so gross. Um, but I it, think maybe the, it's, it's the so same well kind of made. way that people don't like Liam, Liam because they don't like some sort of their undertones. Liam? Leon. Oh, 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 no, definitely. I definitely think that, but they do that in kind of a, that one, that's different though, because you're talking about your lead character, two of your lead characters, you know what I mean? That are willing participants, right? And that's funny to me that you bring that up because you're okay with that one. Yeah, that, that, because. And that blows me that away. didn't, yeah, that didn't. It didn't necessarily strike me as odd. So I could never see why people would say it was odd. But then I guess that's the beauty of uh, cinema. What one person thinks is completely different to somebody else. 
So are you saying that you didn't notice those undertones in that movie? Or are you saying that it didn't strike you as odd for an older man and a younger girl? It didn't necessarily strike me as odd the way it was presented. Interesting. I can see the I can see the undertones of why people wouldn't like that and wouldn't enjoy that film based because of that. But then I sort of saw more in the individual characters and kind of saw how how she could get fascinated by somebody that suddenly saved her from a situation. Well, yeah, so but understanding sort of passed by understanding is not the same thing, though. It's like that's you know what I mean? Like just because oh, you no, understand you yeah. what they're thinking, <laughs> like I I get that, but that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> that's like oh, no, I'm not advocating, by the way, stealing children from their house after they've been murdered. <laughs> their family's been murdered and taking them on an adventure to be a hitman. I'm not advocating that in any way. Just disclaimer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I, I don't, I'm not fully sure I've figured you out on this topic, but I'm also certain nobody ever will. <laughs> oh, no, quite possibly no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't it's know. It's weird. I'm very strange because, like, torture, I have a, like, a, I have a weird, like, view of watching torture in films and stuff like that as well. So. I mean, it uh, that sort of thing depends on how it's presented. Like, I don't, I don't particularly like gore. I mean, I love horror films, but I don't like gore. Like, I, I have a hard time watching it, especially if it's something that's realistic looking. If it's sort mm. of cartoony, over the top, like Friday the Thirteenth or something like that, I can deal with it. But when you get into movies like, I don't know, stuff that just has realistic gore, I just, I don't like it. It makes me sick to my stomach. I just don't, I'm not fascinated with that stuff. I do not want to see people ripped to pieces. It's just so gross to me. Um, but I don't mind like, to me, cause to me, that's not fear. That's just gross. Um, and I like, I like the feeling of fear when I watch a horror film, I like, you know, to, cause I know it's safe, I guess, um, yeah. in a way. So I'm, I like being scared. Um, but um, so I don't shy away from that stuff, but I really just don't like the gross gore stuff that looks realistic. It's just, I don't know. See, I don't mind Saw. I can watch any Saw film and quite happily enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But if you if you were doing that stuff in somebody's house and that was a family, nope, nope. I'm not making it past 10 minutes. No. <laughs> it's, just, it's very yeah, strange con- the way context, my brain works. No, context matters. Like, I get that. And that's the reason why I'm so blown away with your comparison to Leon. Uh, because that is taking your well, two. I'm just pulling it out, out the air. No, but I mean, it's a good comparison. It's not a bad comparison. It just it has to do with your view of it, which I find interesting. Because Leon, you're taking your two lovable lead characters and you're creating a romance between them, even though their age difference is like 30 years, right? And that's like not okay. Um, it's, it's, well, see, I never watch Leon as like a. A romance between them. Maybe that's it. Maybe I just watched it with like blinkers or that's something. That's also really weird because I don't, yeah, I don't know how you could not. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that, that movie is a love story <laughs> between those two. I don't know how you yeah. can, and, and especially after we've already even, we've already done this movie on the podcast. I'm just like even further blown away. <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, I, 
you know, and then, yeah, well, yeah, I then, think it has a lot to do with like Jean Reno's character because he he's almost a ch- he's almost a child himself. But he's so not, though. I mean, I, I understand. Oh, no, he's I like, know he's not. He's a grown his, man. His mentality might be childlike, but he's a grown ass man. He's, you know, <laughs> that is not OK. <laughs> and that's the reason why people some people have a problem with it or they view it in a certain way because it's like it's blatant. It's not like it's it's not subtle. It, it, that movie is a love story between that man and that little girl. They might not ever do anything illegal, but that is still there. I mean, you can't, it's undeniable as to where with Chinatown, you're, we're taking the evil villain did something evil to his daughter and created this child. And so to me that that is more acceptable, way more acceptable because we're made to hate and dislike this person that did this evil, terrible thing. As to where Leon, it's much more difficult because we have these two very likable people. It's presented as a sweeter sort of connection. Yeah, Yeah. right. And and so it makes it even even worse because it's presented that way. And in a way where it's like, you know, it's romanticized. Yeah, that's a good way. That's a really good way to describe it. It's romanticized. Yeah. And that's a very dangerous thing because that becomes a, a normal yeah. The more and more you do that, you romanticize those things that are not okay. The more you make it acceptable on the surface. Exactly. So I can 100% understand why people, Leon, the professional, is a fantastic movie. Um, but I absolutely understand why. I mean, it does make me uncomfortable that scene where she's uh, dancing around. Dressing oh, doing Madonna? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that does make me uncomfortable. That's... The only scene that I can say makes me uncomfortable, but yeah, that's the only, that scene is the reason why Natalie Portman has a career because every boy saw that movie and was like, Mm. (laughs) you know what I mean? And that's even worse. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and, and then knowing that like the, these older men, like Leon watching it, liking it is even worse. Like there's so much, there's so much bad stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's in your face in that movie. It's not hard to understand why people feel that way. <laughs> mm. As with Chinatown, it, again, we're we're looking at a villain doing bad things to good people. So we're we're set up. We're already made to dislike and hate this person, you know. So it's more digestible to to see that and experience that because we're already going to hate him. It's not somebody that we like. Like if we saw Jack do that, that would be like a huge turnoff and nobody would love this movie. You know, it'd be something completely different. You know, like if you're watching the matrix and Neo does something like that, I'm like, it's going to, you don't do that to your lead characters because that, you know, you can't make them that bad. Um, So I can, I can see the, that that was a good movie to bring up to compare it to, but I I just I I'm still confused by your view of it. I guess. <laughs> but I like to remain an enigma, so yeah, <laughs> which is okay. I mean, everybody. That's why art is subjective. <laughs> and like I said, this is only two watches. Maybe if I sit and watch it more, I'll, I'll actually be able to pinpoint what it is exactly. But that that's the only thing that I can think is is skewing me a little bit because. Yeah. I can recognize everything else that you're saying about it, but it's just not sitting right. Yeah. And then that's totally fine. That's understandable. And I 
totally get that. You know, if, if that's the reason, that's the reason. There's nothing wrong with that. It's more of the comparison between Leon and Chinatown as Leon being acceptable and Chinatown not being acceptable. That blows me away. It's not the fact that you don't like Chinatown because it has the incest thing in it. That, I get it. Like, I totally understand that. And that's, you know, that's good enough for me. Um, but yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> now that we fully explored that yuckiness, <laughs> <laughs> yuckiness. <laughs> um, let's give this film a rating. So worried. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to like. It's you just rate it. You one. rate it what you need to rate it. It's okay, a hard don't worry about me because it's not. You just if you don't like it, rate it a zero. Whatever it is that you need to do, just well, make it's not it a zero make it film, honest. Though. It's not a zero film. But is it for you? This is this is this is your rating. What is this movie for you? I'd probably put it as maybe a six for me. I think that means a four. Right. You're too scared to give it a five, which is in the middle ground, because it doesn't say whether you like it or don't like it. You don't want to give it a four because people will hate you. So you have to give it a six just to say face. So I don't really mind. (laughs) That's not true. We'll do five then, because I can acknowledge everything that everybody goes on about and raves about. Yeah, that's fine. But I didn't enjoy it. So we'll go with a five. All right. As long as it's honest. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I love it. I think it's great. I give it a 10. I'd give it an 11 if I could. Um, <laughs> 25 million. Yeah. <laughs> from Jason. No, it's, it's, it's all around. It's just a great movie. The only, the only possible downside to it is it does feel convoluted at the beginning or at least the first like 30, 40 minutes. Um, but that serves its own purpose. That convolution is its own character in this movie, I believe. Um, and I love that fact because it's one of the very, very few films that exist where you follow this investigation like you're the detective. You're piecing clues together and you're seeing clues as our lead character sees it. And they don't always fit and they lead to random, crazy other avenues that open up even more questions. And I just think that's just there's there's a brilliance in that screenwriting um that i mean it deserved the academy award um and i don't think a lot of films that actually win fully deserve that and i think this is one of them you telling me titanic didn't deserve to win you monster (laughs) well i'm a monster then because no no absolutely not no we know what should have won that year we do. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think this film is 100% deserved of its legacy, of its history, of its celebration of uh, a piece of uh, art. Um, and it deserves a 10 to me. Yep. Well, that's a shocker. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> LA Confidential. It's fantastic, but, you know, I also gave it a 10. But the difference between the two, and they're both neo-noirs. The difference between the two is you could look at LA Confidential and it could it could potentially feel like a forced noir. Uh, like they're, they're really trying to go for, whereas 
to me, Chinatown doesn't feel like that at all. It's just, it's a story being told. So to me, it's just a little bit different. Um, it's a little more uh, easy going in, in the noir side of things and the neo-noir side of things. Um, but uh, they're both 10 movies to me, you know, 10, 10 gens out of 10, 10, 10, 10 gens out of 10. Did I get that right? <laughs> I do <don't. laughs> Not commenting. <laughs> All right. And I think what we're going to do right now, Carly, now that we've gotten that one out of the way, we're going to take a a short little break and then we'll get into our second half of this podcast. Sound good? Sounds okay. All right. You've been listening to music from the web series Millennium Apocalypse, written, recorded, and arranged by Matthew Gatsos. You can find this soundtrack and others by Matthew Gatsos at the resurrectionfilms.net website. You too? Yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Yay. That's the first hurdle done. Yay! It's the first time I've done it on the laptop and everything's running pretty smoothly. Well, you've just jinxed yourself there. (laughs) Well done. This might just be the way that I do it from now on, considering it's working just fine. (laughs) Double jinx. Yeah. Well, hopefully. (laughs) But you've got all my traffic background noise to contend with. Apologies. Well, that's your fault. (laughs) I know and I'm not even sorry (laughs) it's all right 
All right. Well, uh, we're back from our short little break and uh, we're or we're going to um, continue this double episode and discuss the sequel to Chinatown, uh, which is um, The Two Jakes. Uh, the Two Jakes is a 1990 American neo-noir mystery film. Um, and like I said, it's a sequel to the 1974 film Chinatown. Uh, there's a bunch of changes uh, with this film, um, and we'll discuss that in a few minutes. But first, let's talk about our second drink of tonight. Uh, this one is <clears throat> named after the great American actor and as far as the two Jakes goes, also director Jack Nicholson. And that is the name oh, of this drink, cool. the Jack Nicholson. Oh, uh, this is a shooter. So unlike most of our other drinks, which are primarily mixed drinks, this is like a mixed drink shooter. All right. Um, <clears throat> but it's a double shot. Nice. All right. And it consists of a quarter ounce of wild turkey. Blech. <laughs> Not my favorite. What is wild turkey? That's <laughs> like a whiskey. This is a this is a oh, wild okay. turkey, eighty proof bourbon though. So it's probably okay. I've never had it, but I've had wild turkey, just whiskey. Blech. Blech. I don't really care for it. Um, <laughs> a quarter ounce of oh, shit. Stoli chinia, Stoli vanilla vodka. What? <laughs> It's uh, shortened to Stoli. That's usually that's what I know it by. But the full name I can't pronounce, which is Stolichinia, something like that. You can't pronounce something. What? That does surprise me. <laughs> yeah. So Stoli's vanilla vodka. I, I believe you can also get uh, other brands in vanilla um, as well. Uh, also a quarter ounce of Kahlua uh, and a quarter ounce of. Uh, caramel liquor. I don't know what that is. I have to. Um... I don't know what Kahlua is. Kahlua, really? No. Oh, you can look that up. Um, it's found in like uh, tropical drinks, or I guess like coffee drinks as well. Um, it's it's similar to like the Irish whiskey, I guess. Okay. Um, in a way, I mean, it's yeah. Check it out. Uh, okay, so quarter ounce wild turkey, quarter ounce of uh, Stoli vanilla vodka, quarter ounce of Kahlua, quarter ounce of caramel liquor. Now the instructions, which is very simple. You mix it over ice and strain into a shot glass. All right, so it's basically the consistency of a double shot. Wow. Um, and that sounds like it's, you know, it's a pretty strong drink. Pretty hardcore. Uh, yeah, but the clue is pretty easy going, the caramel liquor and the vanilla, so it probably tastes pretty decent. I'm going to give that one a shot. Oh, God. <laughs> Your coffee kicked in. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Now that that madness is over, uh, let's take a listen to the trailer for The Two Jakes. good for LA. Brought in money, 
opportunity, and more than a little greed. Put the weasel in jail. Nothing else matters. Nothing else in the world. How about five or six million bucks? Could I make a phone call? Please. Now the war's over, and people come here because they think the money's easy and the women are easier. That's a combination that's good for business. The divorce business. I was honestly unfaithful. Which, by the way, pays for my convertible, my country club dues, Hell of a shot. and my office building, where I can shut the doors and not even hear the oil well pumping across the street. The war was good for women, too. Gave them jobs. Oh, you're gonna make me do it, aren't you? Money and enough independence to double the divorce rate, which didn't hurt my business any either. After all these years, I've learned a couple of things. Trick or treat. The clients lie. Say hello to Jake Giddis. What's this? It's a hand grenade. You ought to know that. You're a war hero. The cops always think I'm lying. How do you know he didn't have the gun with him? I'd never frisked him before I let him walk in on his wife hanging on the headboard while some guy was slamming her into the wall, Lou. The lady in question reminds you of someone else. And marriage has made more liars out of men than golf. Of course, a guy can't live without golf. The deal is you'll turn the wire over to me at the end of this round, or I'll have you killed. Sure, the society crowd turns up its nose at mousing around and peeking through keyholes, but... They're the ones who pay the most to see what's on the other side. <laughs> Come on. You can tell me. Blackmail. What are you talking about? You tell me what the hell you think's going on here, and I'll tell you if I think you're right. These days, people want to have it all. New cars, power steering, houses in the suburbs, speedboats, and instant cameras. Oh, Kitty, how could you? What's going on here? How could you, Kitty? How could you with him? Not with him! So now, it only takes a minute to see what a murder looks like. Then what happens? What usually happens when somebody pulls a gun? Hmm? Everybody ducks. What I do for a living may not be very reputable, but I am. In this town, I'm the leper with the most fingers. That was a trailer for The Two Jakes, a 1990 American neo-noir film um, and the sequel to the 74 film Chinatown. It is directed by and starring Jack Nicholson. Uh, it also stars Harvey Keitel, Meg Tilly, and a whole bunch of other people. Um, and uh, it's it's a fun little movie. I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, it's not as great as Chinatown. Um, some people just downright don't like it, and that's totally fine as well. Um, I'm sure... Again, Carly's going to despise it, which is totally fine, understandable. Even though there's no incest going on in this film, she's going to have to find a new uh, arch enemy. <laughs> well, we might have a, it might be time for confession time. Oh, no. Oh, wait a second. Oh, no. Wait a second. Oh, no. If you say you like this better than the first one. Oh, my God. What a oh, my God. OK, let's hear your confession. <laughs> I liked it better. <laughs> 
I liked it better. Um, but that's because, that is because I'm watching it on its own merit and not comparing it to Chinatown, which a lot of people would have done. I'm just watching it as like just a film that I happened to put on that I enjoyed. And there's a, there's a lot of linking in to Chinatown, but it survives quite well on its own as a separate entity. If you hadn't seen Chinatown, I think you could still get it and sit and enjoy it. Yeah, I would. I mean, I, I would it's totally not flawless. That. It is not perfect at all. When I say I liked it better, I only marginally liked it better because I watched them one after the other. I'm not saying it's fantastic, but I did. I just, it, it, I did. It, it was a bit more kind of throwaway and a bit more fun. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I don't know if I would call it more fun, but... It's, well, compared um, to some, you know, compared to the ending of Chinatown, which people don't like, it was a bit more fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I think it's just equally as dark. Um, but the, the I guess the reasoning behind some of the stuff is more in a positive. Has I think more it's of a presented. A, yeah, I think it's presented a bit more. I wouldn't say lighthearted is the right word, but it is kind of presented very differently. Yeah, from the beginning. It, yeah, it doesn't have a, the the bleak overtones that uh chinatown had chinatown was a very bleak film which was more in line with the film noir this one definitely feels neo-noir mm-hmm. um it, it it does have a different tonality to it yeah um than like its even, predecessor. even just the opening of him because they almost replicate the beginning where he goes through his office and that kind of everything that's going wrong and the jobs that people have and mm-hmm. it just seems a little bit more comical. In yeah, this and film. it is. It, it, yeah, it definitely is. It, they they definitely up that sort of, and it's weird because it's not like it's straight out comedy. No, it's just the sort of. It's just the tone, it's, the feel of it. Yeah. They're just, yeah, it's different. Yeah, instead of it yeah. being more de- more slightly depressing, like oh, this has happened. It's 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 darker. It's upsetting. In this one, it's kind of mm. like, oh, for God's sake, it's it's almost like a, a bit of a comedy routine at one point. Like when he's, you know, fix it, when she's trashing the office and he's just fixing things. It is a little yeah. bit kind of more laugh or you'd cry. Right. The sort of setup. Um, yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I think that's that's pretty good assessment there. Um, and and it continues throughout the movie as well. I mean, it's it's a very it, you can tell it's written by the same person, or at least mainly, um, because it still has the same, in my opinion, the same sort of structure as the first film. I still feel like we're following along this detective who discovers clues and doesn't have the full story, and just things are getting kind of pieced together. Um, Although in this film, I feel like there are other times that we do see the other character's perspective, which is a little different. Um, but overall, I feel like it's it's still kind of that same, you know, that same kind of uh, discover as you go kind of film and it's not spoon fed to you and you have to kind of pay attention to really get it. Um, and I feel like this movie ends up being just as convoluted as Chinatown. Oh, definitely. It, it, in the exact same ways. Um uh, it was interesting though, that they, the direction that they took it with the housing market, 
um, opposed to like the water in the first film. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting to, uh, you know, way to approach it and, and, uh, bring in old characters or at least by name, um, through that storyline with the mineral rights and, uh, the oil and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. I thought it was a good, good direction to go. Um, I do think that the inherent flaws with this film aren't necessarily because it's a sequel, but I think it's because Jack Nicholson's direction. Not that he's bad, not that his direction is bad or anything. It's just not the same level as Polanski uh, by far. Um, you can see that he's probably learned a lot, you know, and because he started directing a long time ago, back in his days with um, um, uh, Roger Corman. Uh, you know, so he's, he's been around for a long time and he's, he's, you know, gone back. I mean, obviously he's primarily an actor, but he's done some directing as well. And this is probably, I don't know if this is the first full feature that he's directed, but it's probably the most prominent one. Um, and I still think that he didn't quite, it's not quite at that level. I mean, well, it's nowhere near the level of Plansky. It's, it's, but it does have its own sort of Jack Nicholson feel to it. Um, it's a little more flashier in in strange ways uh, than the subtlety that Polanski brought to to Chinatown, which I think made it feel more natural as a noir film. And Jack Nicholson's direction made this feel overtly neo noir. I mean, this this feels more along the lines of like the DOA remake with. Um, uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, those 80s kind of neo-noir kind of films um, where they, they kind of they're already sort of dated in a way because they're neo-noirs. But then they have that 80s kind of sensibility to them as well. Um, and that's to me where the two Jakes kind of stumbles. But it's still I still enjoy it quite a bit because Jack Nicholson is just fun to watch in these movies. He, he feels completely 100 percent in his element like he was born to, to play these, these characters. Um, and I, I, I wish he had been around in the time of like the, you know, forties, uh, to play more of these noir kind of characters. I think that would have been amazing. Um, but, uh, it's, it's just a, it's not on the same level as Chinatown in terms of, of the directorial quality to it. Um, having said that, uh, as you brought up, the comedy aspect. It's a really fun movie. Um, just the, the strange banter between, uh, Jack and, uh, Harvey Keitel's character is just kind of fun. And they're like having this sort of conflicting kind of battle, like butting heads, but in a, in a comical kind of one-upmanship sort of way in a <laughs> weird way. Um, and it just brings a lot of fun to the movie that the first movie didn't have. The first movie is just extremely bleak um, and and dark. And this one is dark in its own way, but uh, tonally they keep it they keep it fun. It has it has more of a I'd say like end of the fifties, early sixties kind of feel to it, um, mixed with eighties, which is just strange to say, but that's just kind of what, you know what it feels like to me. Yeah, because it, it, it has a lot of dark aspects, like the flashbacks and him kind of is set after the war and him being a prisoner of the past. And 
it, it it is quite dark, but it's just not presented as being dark and bleak. And yeah, I almost feel like the flashbacks help in a way in terms of fleshing out the his character, um, Giddy's character, and and sort of seeing his his character's arc across the films. Like he's he's different. He's a different person. He's more experienced. But those sort of, and it's a theme to the movie, the sort of ghosts that are still haunting him sort of thing. I mean, you know I'm a sucker for flashbacks. So as soon as there was a flashback, I thought, <laughs> I like this. <laughs> right. um, yeah, so I mean, I think that that was, I think those were used pretty well in this film. I think all of the elements from the first Chinatown were used well in the sequel. Um, yeah. And and you're right though you didn't necessarily have to see the first film to really like this movie if you were going to like it. Um, although I personally would recommend watching it just because it's a far superior film and you know it, it'll help you understand uh, his character and the connection to to Mulray and all that stuff um, much much more. Definitely, and you can see why why sort of fans of Chinatown might not gravitate to this as well. You could, I can, I can see why they wouldn't necessarily rate it. Yeah. I think a lot of them were, were kind of um, off put by it because, I mean, I think mostly because Polanski wasn't attached to it. Right. And also it's a long passage of time. You've gone, if you're a Chinatown fan and you've, you know, you've watched the first one, this is a big chunk of time that's passed for you to then sort of be looking at this character. So I can, I can see why people don't, don't, don't see the merit in it. I, I can understand why people think, Oh no, this is, this is not, this is not a, a sequel. This is not something that's worth anything in compared to, to Chinatown because it was a bit of a shock for me. And bearing in mind that I wasn't overly keen on Chinatown. I was like, bloody hell. Mm-hmm. He's aged quite a bit. Yeah, it is, it is a jarring period of time that's gone. Right. Yeah. It definitely. You know. And I. I it was one of like the the. I guess it's eleven years story wise, but it was more like what sixteen years in reality between films. If I'm correct, it was seventy four and then nineteen ninety. Um. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the previous 16 years weren't necessarily great to Jack Nicholson in terms of, yeah, <laughs> um, he's quite a bit older in this film, but that's in my mind, that's okay. Because I think that they dealt with that story wise in terms of showing his character has grown. He's become smarter, more intelligent, more cautious, um, than he was in Chinatown. And I appreciated all of those little elements that they put in there. Um, and that had a lot to do with the flashbacks and just the way that he spoke and how he did things was slightly different. Uh, he felt more comfortable in his role as a detective um, than it felt like he did before. Um, yeah. And I appreciated all that kind of stuff. Um, I thought yeah, that was... he seemed a lot more flashy. Mm-hmm. In, not flashy, but he kind of more cavalier, maybe is the word. Yeah, no. In Chinatown. I... And then obviously his actions had that consequence and now you you can see that he's carried that with him 
I, and I thought that was a really good part of the story. Yeah, you definitely could see like he he made mistakes in trying to then cost him like, you know, the Roman Polanski who played the thug that cuts his nose. Um, you know, that oh, yeah, was. Oh, yeah, but he was a nose slicer, wasn't he? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which he did a great job with that, by the way. We didn't even bring that up in the last uh, portion of this, but. We didn't. I meant to say what a good nose slicer he was. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, in this in this one, you could tell he's still that sort of cocky kind of guy, but he's more reserved. He's more smart about how he comes across with that sort of stuff. Um, and that's kind of interesting because he's still flashy. I mean, but they sort of adjust it to less of his verbalness and more to like um, his presentation, like his shoes, which are a big part of the opener of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made sense because he's older. He's probably got a little more money. He's got a nicer office, more staff. Um, you know, he's, I wouldn't necessarily say dress is better, but um, I'm sure the idea was that he dresses better or flashier. Um, so all that they, they did a great job playing all that stuff into the story. And I think that that's, that's sort of the same deal throughout the film. I think everybody in this film is is sort of a has similarities to the original film, and it's just upped the the sort of character development of them. Um, for instance, if we just sort of replace, um, you know, maybe cross with uh, Harvey Keitel's character, for instance, they they sort of play that sort of red herring with Harvey Keitel's character, though, as where you think he's a super horrible person, you know, but when you get to the end of the movie, you're really realizing all he was really trying to do was protect her. Uh-huh. And that was one of the things I remember. I saw this in the theater when it first came out and I was I was, you know. Gosh, what was I uh, 12? No, 11, something like that. Is this a 15 rating? What's the rating on the film? We don't have those numbers. <laughs> oh, so so you're, you, were, you were sneaked into the cinema to watch it. Oh, I see. Well, even like in the early 90s and stuff like that, there wasn't, uh, they weren't really hard on, on that kind of stuff. That didn't really happen until the late 90s, early 2000s, where they really started bearing down on kids in the theater like when i was young my dad would just drop us off at the theater and and say i'll pick you up in two hours um yeah (laughs) don't spend much on popcorn no i mean i i saw movies that i never should have seen (laughs) let's put it that way way too young like for instance uh do you remember that uh movie cool world uh with brad pitt no where it's like it's live action and also mixed with animation kind of like uh roger rabbit but this was much more adult. Oh, <laughs> okay. Like, there's things like that and uh, just all kinds of movies that I shouldn't have seen at, at the age of 10. You walked in and thought, I'll have a ticket for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. No, I walked into the two Jakes and I I was a little late getting there. I remember it very distinctly because um, I just thought it was amazing. I'd never seen Chinatown, never heard of it. I didn't see it for like another 10 years. Um, until I got older, but I walked in on that moment where he sits on the, uh, the well lights a cigarette and then blows up. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I thought it was so cool is <laughs> it was funny. Cause you see him like flying through the air in slow motion. And it was just, I don't know, as a kid, I thought that was, that was super cool. Um, and I think maybe I have more nostalgia for this particular film. Um, because of that, um, then I, then I, I probably like it more because of that than I would have normally. Um, 
But even now today, just having watched it again, I still enjoy it. I still thought it was fun. I thought Harvey Keitel was quite amazing in this movie when he breaks yeah. down and cries. I mean, it, it feels real. Oh um, my and God. He's, yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. And, um, uh, Meg Tilly is really good in this too. Um, I, uh, I didn't catch that it was Meg Tilly, at, at, you know, as we're watching him, but my wife did, she's like, that's, that she looks like Jennifer Tilly. And I'm like, no, it's not Jennifer Tilly. I definitely know it's not Jennifer Tilly. But then I looked it up like, oh, it's your sister, Meg Tilly. I thought it was interesting, but, um, I didn't know that before, uh, after watching this and then Madeline Stowe, she's just freaking crazy in this movie. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> she's like, like a banshee. Right. That was the craziest scene ever. It was so hilarious, though. And you could tell, and that's this is part of the, the brilliance of the movie. Okay. It's not as good as Chinatown or anything like that, but there's, there's such a, a brilliance to the writing. It just speaks to, uh, to Robert Town and just how good he is because she's just forcing herself on him and he's just like, Okay, you know, Jesus Christ, just hold your horses. Let me catch my breath. Just <laughs> Yeah, calm down a second, love. <laughs> it was just absolutely I'll have a glass hilarious. of water, just chill your beans. Right. <laughs> and I love the fact when she trashes the office, the, the, the secretary's just stood there with like bits of flour <laughs> trying to pull them back in her farce. <laughs> right. Of all it's the things so that you funny. wanted to protect. I mean, she smashed everything. But she's there with like a lily or something. I don't know. <laughs> Trying to put it nicely. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there's, uh, you know, I think it's, this is much more character oriented of a film. Um, I mean, the plot is still a huge factor because it, it is just as convoluted as the first movie. But the characters are written much brighter yeah. and over the top than the first film. Um, and I'm not sure if that was sort of a, a nineties kind of thing, because this movie was supposed to happen back in 84. Oh, I read something. I read about that, a bit of the back history of it. And, and the idea was, is that it was written. It was supposed to be a little bit later in, um, Giddy's life. He's a little bit older and wiser and all that kind of stuff. So like the, the whole plan of this film was still supposed to be that. And it was supposed to take place 10 years later or whatever it is. And that's the reason why this movie does take place. Like, uh, I think it's 11 years. Um, because that original script was meant to be shot back in 84. Now, I don't know how far you dug into it, but I found it fascinating as to why that kind of thing happens. And it's really terrible why it happened. So I believe Polanski was still supposed to direct this movie, but Robert Evans um, wanted to act in the film um, in the Jake Berman role. So he wanted to play the Keitel, uh, Harvey Keitel role, but I guess town thought he was a terrible actor. And so they got into this huge dispute um, to this point where I think Polanski dropped out and then uh, Evans and town had a kind of a falling out, even though Evans is still the um, I think the production company as well as still the producer on the film. There was such a, a battle between him and town over him playing the role of, of Jack Berman, Jake Berman, sorry. Um, 
that uh, that the the movie just languished for almost ten years. Uh, what is it like uh, seven years, something like that? Um, while you know they were trying to work this stuff out, and finally, uh, Jack Nicholson was like, "Hey, I want to make this movie. Just I'll, I'll direct it." Um, you know, and then it just went on from there without, I guess, Evans really having a a bigger part in the in the movie other than. I think producing by name. Um, yeah, because didn't they form a production company just for the specific purpose of filming this? I believe so. Yeah, but even even still, I, I think Robert Evans still has, you know, like somehow his his company is still part of it because it's still you know his name is still attached to it. it still says produced by Robert Evans, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I'm not sure of all the details in that, but. Another big thing that was really hilarious is that Evans had an issue with getting a 1940s style haircut. <laughs> so that's that the bit the- that I read was that he didn't want to get his hair cut and that's how it all sort of like unraveled. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, that's got to be some sort of like spin. That's got to be some like Hollywood Surely, spin. Because I'm not because being funny. If, if you can't get your hair cut to be in a film with Jack Nicholson, I mean, what's wrong with you? Really? Right. <laughs> Uh, it's just crazy. But because of that, I guess, of all of that stuff happening, Nicholson also not only taking over directorial, um, he also rewrote parts of town's script. Now, I would want I couldn't find a whole lot of information on that. I'd be curious to read the original town script opposed to what got shot. I'd be interested to know the differences between those and also how town felt felt about uh, Nicholson rewriting elements because he threw a fit when Polanski did, you know, rewrote the end of the first one. Um, he has since years later said, you know, Polanski was correct. That was the right move to make. I just couldn't see it at the time, um, which is respectable. But I just, I'm, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what he felt about Nicholson, who obviously is not Polanski. Yeah, I know, but still, are you going to come out and say, yeah, uh, that Jack Nicholson did something wrong? Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it it would be at at that time, it would be more likely, especially, well, look, you got to understand, you might not know, Robert Town might not be a a household name to you, but this is regularly regarded as the best screenplay ever written that that just saying that carries a lot of weight, especially in Hollywood. So, yeah, I think that had Robert Town had an issue, he would have been vocal about it. Because Polanski was huge. Polanski wasn't a no name. So if he came out against Polanski, I have no doubt he would have said something about Nicholson. Um, But either he had matured 10 years later, you know, since Chinatown and, you know. Or just wanted to get the film made and conceded. Yeah, it it could have just been that. There's no telling. So I'm going to continue to. I actually bought a book that came out recently, The Big Goodbye. And I haven't started reading it yet, but it's about the making of Chinatown. Oh, and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, it's, I it's bet got that a lot would be quite reviews. interesting because the, the little bits that I stumbled across seemed really, really mm-hmm. interesting. The behind the scenes of right. Chinatown seemed more interesting than Chinatown at one point. So I think. I think that would be... Well, I wouldn't say that, but I totally get your view of that. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be quite an interesting book to read to to delve into the ins and outs of everything. Right. 
Yeah. And I want to read it just from being a fan, but yeah, I, I totally get that view of it too. And I wonder if they talk about the two Jakes at all in that book. Probably not. And if they do, it's probably very brief, right. but I almost feel like the two Jakes deserves a book as well. <laughs> Cause it's, it took longer to make and it went through different hands and there seems to be a lot of drama there. Yeah. It would be interesting just to hear, hear some backstory on that. <clears throat> So, hey, Carly, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. All right, guys, we're back and we're going to keep talking about this film. The reason why it was delayed even further, though, after um, uh, the whole Evans issue um, is they had a distribution deal with Paramount. Um, and Paramount, after Evans backed out of it because he was producer of the original Chinatown, um, they got kind of cold feet and I guess discontinued oh, I read that, yeah. uh, uh, their distribution deal with them um, until Nicholson, you know, continued to rise as a star, you know, as he, as he did throughout his entire career. Um, and uh, I guess took it over and, uh, you know, the rest is history. Um, this film was not celebrated as the first film was. Uh, it was not a box office success. And I'm not even entirely certain that Chinatown was necessarily a box office success per se. Um, but it, 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 it was, it did solid numbers. It was, a, you know, and it garnered a lot of awards. This movie was not nominated for any awards. Um, the critical reception was very mixed. Um, however, later on after, and I think that had a lot to do with its predecessor. I don't think it necessarily had much to do about the merits of the film itself. I think it had. Yeah, that's the problem. It's being viewed as a, as a, a sequel, right. not in its own merit. Right. It had yeah. more to do with Chinatown being such a, you know, more of a success that comparing the two films was apples and oranges. And it couldn't be viewed on it, you know, on its own legs. Um, but later on, uh, once it was released on home media, it it started gaining a, a following, um, and people were more fond of it than they were initially when it came out. Um, which makes sense, you know. It's it's that's sort of the. It's always the way. It yeah, goes. there's not much you can really yeah. do about that, you know. Um, you know, if everybody worried about that, movies wouldn't get made. And that, that sucks. You know, I don't, I don't, that's the reason why, you know, like a new Indiana Jones movie or something like that doesn't bother me. I mean, make as many of them as you can, because I can pick and choose which ones I want to watch or don't want to watch, you know, yeah. um, opposed to them not getting made at all. Um, I don't, I don't like when that sort of thing dictates whether a film gets made. I think it was, a, it was a good ending for his character because it, kind of brought him full circle again. So I think in that respect... Well, how do you mean full circle? It's definitely worth making. Well, because he's been sort of like haunted by the past, trapped in the past, and the whole point of the second film is he gets to kind of correct a mistake that he thinks that he made. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And I he, mean, get, he kind of gets his closure. So after all these years, he kind of gets closure and he's like, you know... I kept my promise kind of thing. Yeah, I definitely see that he gets his closure. I don't know about the keeping a promise thing because I don't think he really protected. 
I mean, he did. Well, he did in the end because he didn't get her in jail. Yeah, he did. So. He did protect her in terms of like editing the tape that yeah. everybody wants. Um, but ultimately, I think Harvey Keitel, Berman's character, um, he's really the protector. Honestly, he sac- he makes the ultimate sacrifice for her. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't about his own mortality. It was about making sure that she's taken care of after he's gone because he's going to die anyway. Um, so there's a lot of like, even though he comes off as like a, a sleazy kind of character in the beginning, he ends up being, you know, her hero in a way. Oh my God, that at the end, when he just says, oh, I'm going to have a cigarette. I thought that was, that was great. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the whole... The whole idea was great. And it's not quite as subtle as things that they did in the first film. No. You know, because there, there's, there's a lot of like, I wouldn't say over the top, but there's a little more in your face plot points mm-hmm. that they bring up, like the gas yeah. in the water and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that aren't nearly as subtle as the first film. Um, yeah. And, and that could have been anything from the audience at the time, you know. Yeah, it does feel very 90s. Mm-hmm. 90s I don't want to say 90s actions yeah yeah it's probably the best way to describe it yeah um and you know I'd also have to go and look at what movies was it competing against at the time had had it been slightly more subtle it potentially would have been viewed a little bit differently but because I can see why people say it's a bit in your face because well, you it know is. it's going to happen because they made such a big deal of the the gas in the water and Jack, yeah, uh, Jake blowing up on the. Th- I mean, you knew it was going to happen. Had they made it where it was more like, a, oh yeah, there's gas in the water. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would have been. Oh my been, god, yeah, he's suddenly going to go for a cigarette. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think, but I think maybe it suffered because of the time it was made. Had it been made when it was meant to. Mm-hmm. Those then subtleties would have been, been there, yeah. Slightly different story, yeah. yeah. And, and that might have been, part of that could also be as Jack Nicholson as a director as well. Um, oh, of course, it, yeah. it might not necessarily be a script issue. It could have just been the direction, which again, his direction wasn't bad. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was competently made. But there's those those are those minute nuances that a, a very well-seasoned director would need to be able mm-hmm. to see in the big picture to, to, to play it correctly and to... To its full effect anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> but so it's got it's got its flaws. But I mean, I think there's a lot of good stuff here. And I think um, it's still still a great sequel. And it's well, well worth watching. Um, if you're a fan of Chinatown. If you're not a fan of Chinatown as Carly is, you might not enjoy it. Although she claims she enjoys it. I think more than Chinatown, which I'm not sure it's saying much. But but then again as well, uh, Jack Nicholson's kind of closer to the Jack Nicholson that I'm familiar with. Sure. Because obviously so much time has passed. Um, obviously I've watched him in like, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and all that kind of stuff, The Shining. But my, my era of Jack Nicholson is kind of, he's edging into that. Right. So he's more, fam- it sounds stupid, but he's more familiar to me in this role as Jack Nicholson. Because like, as I've mentioned, as good as it gets, right. one of my favourite films ever, he's he's a little bit closer to that in this, whereas Chinatown is very different. He's very close to his Easy Rider sort of phase and 
Yeah. No, and I agree with that. And I think part of it might because he just came off. He got a lot of heat from Batman. Uh, Tim Burton's Batman it came out in 89. And I, I have a feeling um, because he, his acting was so celebrated in that film, that's probably the reason why he was able to get the two Jakes off the ground again. I have a feeling that that was like a favorite of his, like a role that he wanted to do again. Mm-hmm. Like it mattered to him. So in order, because he, you know, got so much heat off of Batman, he was able to to do that and get that off the ground, which I think is yeah. great. And I'm glad that he did. Ride that wave. Yeah. It's one of those strange films that has such a large gap between the original um, and the tonality has changed a bit. The audience has changed a bit. Um, and you're trying to, you're trying to create, uh, I mean, I don't want to say nostalgia, but you're trying to create a, a film noir film in the nineties. And that was always, that's always a tough thing. Even, you know, in 74, when the original one came out, it's, that's sort of a left, left field kind of choice. You know, it's, it's always been a tough genre to tackle in any time period other than, you know, the forties and fifties when they weren't making noir films, they were just making films that ended up being regarded as noir films later on. Yeah, there's a thin line between replicating and, and nostalgia and right. yeah, copying and I, yeah. I think that this maybe that's where the unbalance is. Because it did get very convoluted. the main point it got convoluted at for me was towards the end. It got very talky. In the third act. Yeah, there was a lot of because there was less like physical clues like there Mm. were in Chinatown, like Chinatown had more physical clues and connections. And this one really only had one physical clue that I recall, which is basically the the um, uh, um, paperwork for the mineral. The landowner stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which just connected Mulray and, and that, you know, so there wasn't a whole lot, the rest of it had to come out in dialogue because there weren't, there wasn't very much in way of physical clues, um, which I understand that, but yeah, but that definitely can bog it down. Well, I guess there were the one other physical clue was the, uh, the chair where the gun was hidden. And that was really a pivotal turning point to, um, to have Kitty believe that he killed him on purpose. Um, so there, I guess there was two major, uh, physical clues, but again, there's, there's so much history relating to the original movie and to what's going on in the plot of this movie that, yeah, it ended up being a lot of talking (laughs) and a lot of explaining my position, my position. This is why I did this was why I did that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that kind of made sense, but yeah, it definitely bogs it down a little bit in terms of um, the fun factor that we were getting before that. Yeah, and also another the main problem I had with it was that it was quite clear that Catherine was Kitty in that mm-hmm. scene uh, where she's having like a facial, and he comes in to speak to her because uh-huh. she looks so much like Faye Dunaway. <laughs> I almost thought for a second that they'd hired Faye Dunaway to sit there. <laughs> right. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, they're the same fucking person. Right. And because her face had been hidden and 
I did that that had never crossed my mind until that moment when she was sat there and she just looked the spitting image of her. And I thought, ah, oh, okay, here we go. And I think that had to do with like she was getting her hair dyed as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that was that was a subtle clue because the door that he walks in says like the color of the hair. Like mm-hmm. that room is for this color of hair. And I think that was like sort of the attempt of of subtlety. Um, but I agree. She looked quite a bit like her. Um, and I really thought Meg Tilly was 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 good actress. She's a great pick for that role. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought she was fantastic. And um, I mean, nobody's better than Faye Dunaway in the first movie. That was just it's just just I'm surprised she didn't win like an Academy Award uh, for that. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Even Jack Nicholson, I think, was great in that movie. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, um, and again, I'm I'm surprised. I think that a lot of the negative feedback, the negative reception, the lack of any awards for this film had way more to do with the predecessor than it did the merits of this own movie. Because I, there's so much to to still love about this movie, especially the acting. The acting in this is top notch. Even even when it goes into campy over the top territory, um, like with Madeline Stowe's character, um, it's still like that. Her character was so similar to most of the the females portrayed in the forties movies, the throwing the fits and trash in the place and being over the top. um, Yeah. Throwing themselves onto the chairs and stuff like that. It's like, it was so similar to the way females were portrayed in those older films. Um, And to us now it comes off very over the top and, and campy and cheesy. But it, I was thinking that as I was watching it this last time going, Especially after we watched um, the Blue Dahlia, Blue Dahlia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where she, yeah. It, it just it, it just totally made me, you know, think of that scene where she's throwing herself all over the place. It's just so funny. So there's there's a lot to love. There's a, especially the acting. I just think was just really great. Harvey Keitel really shines this movie. And I don't I don't love Harvey Keitel, but there's plenty of things that he does in his acting that. I'm, I can, he's just really, he's a really great actor. Um, and, uh, this is one of those moments in this film, like when he breaks down, they're talking in that model house and he starts crying and stuff. And it's just like, Oh my God. And then Jack Nicholson's character is just hilarious. He, he, he has that same portrayal that he does with the Madeline Stowe character where he's just like, Oh Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) He just, he's got to go over there and comfort him. And he's like, here we go again. (laughs) It's just so funny. Um, Yeah. It just, it it was just well done in my opinion. I really liked it. And it's too bad. Whether I'm not sure I I got mixed um, information out there about their, about this being a trilogy. I know you you saw that out there too as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, and I, then the I, trilogy, like the third one, got scrapped because this didn't really do so well. So yeah, and so I heard two different. I read two different things. So I read about Nicholson talking about it, saying that it was always planned as a trilogy. Um, all three films would be later stages of of Giddy's life, and all three films would tackle a major natural resource. So the first one's water. Second one was supposed to be oil. And the third one was going to be land. Um, And then there are interviews with town saying, 
he has no idea what that's all about. He said there was never a trilogy planned. There were never three movies. Um, the sequel wasn't planned. It was, you know, something that he wrote later on um, after the success of the first film and has no idea. Um, and so I'm, I don't know. You never know because sometimes people get into a room and they start discussing ideas and maybe somebody mentioned potentially three movies and this ideas or whatever. And it just could have been a passing conversation from town and Nicholson liked it so much that he latched onto it and just got that into his head. I don't really know. I'm not sure what the deal with that is. Um, it would have been amazing to see, uh, the, and it's supposedly he also gave it a name. Uh, Nicholson called it, uh, uh Giddies versus Giddies, um, which is interesting because that's also very, um, similar to the two Jakes, right? Mm. Um, and this one, it was going to be set in 1968 and it was going to deal with his divorce. Um, and something to do with land is all I know. Um, but yeah, again, because of the, the failure of the two Jakes commercially, uh, supposedly it was, it was scrapped. So maybe that could have just been Nicholson's fancy, you know, ideas of a sequel and Robert town really didn't have anything to do with that. Who knows? Uh, I really don't know, but, um, yeah, you never can tell because especially with uh, the two Jakes, uh, his his fiance, who I don't even think we ever really. No, it was get like Kevin Dawes. We yeah. never saw her. Right, she uh, just you know leaves him. <laughs> um, but uh, what well, he does spend a lot of time hiding under his desk. So well, yeah, but I mean, I, I, it seemed a bit harsh. You know, I always have a problem with those kind of portrayals because it's like. You know what you're getting into. You know this <laughs> what he does for a living. You know yeah. that he, you know what I mean? It's like you know his pattern of behavior. Yeah. You gotta, yeah, you have to You know he's gonna stay late at work. Right. You have to accept that or just don't do it. You know, you can't have one foot in, one foot out. It just doesn't make any sense. But that seems to be a, a common theme in a lot of movies like this. Um, which I guess is just, you know, some drama, but I would like to see where that isn't the thing that happens. I want to see the woman that, you know, or the man, whoever, um, that sticks around and they know what they're getting into and they just kind of deal with it, which has been done before. It's not, it's not unheard of, but it's far less common than what we're seeing here where it's just like, ah, you're at work all the time later. And it's just, okay, well that's expected. Um, but I don't know, maybe that, um, I guess they were just going to take that further in the third movie. I'm assuming maybe he would get his fiance back. They would get married and they get divorced. And then the movie would be about why, what was the case that got them divorced? I would assume who knows, mm. <clears throat> who knows, but all right, Carly, I think we're at that time. Oh, it's excited. I, I love Chinatown. I think it's a fantastic film. I think it's a perfect movie. Um, I don't, I don't see any major flaws in that film at all. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit before I was into noir films and I enjoyed the two Jakes before I was in the noir films. I just, I gravitated towards them, I guess. Um, and the two Jakes, even with all of its flaws, um, that it might have, um, and even with the overshadowing of its predecessor, um, I still think it's a fun film. Um, if not 
tonally imbalanced, um, not as well directed as Chinatown, but it's still, it's still fantastic. That's the weird thing about this movie is that it, it, you see the flaws in the direction opposed to Polanski, but then you see these amazing performances. And I mean, the director has got a lot to do with that. Um, and I think Nicholson surrounded himself with, uh, a great cast, mm-hmm. um, that really turned out for him. Um, and because I think because of that more than anything else, because the story itself isn't as, I guess, interesting as Chinatown to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was, it was fine, but I didn't find it as interesting. It was like mineral rights. Okay. It wasn't this engaging. Yeah. Um, I, I cared more about what does Mulray have to do with it? Let's get back to that. But it has such a small piece in this film that it wasn't sufficiently satisfactory to me, you know, in terms of that. Uh, and be- so because of those two things, I'm going to give this one a little bit of a lower rating. I'm going to rate it about a seven. Um, but I still personally really enjoy it. And I would watch this movie over and over again, just like I would the first movie. I, I, I really like it. I think it's great. Um, and I, I hope that this uh, Fincher and town prequel comes out. I just hope it does. Um, I hope that they, it would be amazing if they find a way to work Jack Nicholson in there. That would be cool. Um, yeah. I highly doubt that'll ever happen. I feel like the dude's retired. <laughs> like I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. Um, but uh, it, it would be amazing if they could figure out something like that. But I, I just really hope that it happens. I just want to see it happen. I want more of it. Um, I would love to see how he got started. And that's the whole point of prequel, seeing how he got started being a PI and all that kind of stuff and seeing where it goes from there. Um, it would just be fun. It would just be interesting to follow that character some more. Um, Cause he's a great character. He's a great PI character. I think I'd put him up there with the same uh, love and respect. You're like a Jack junkie. No, not really. Cause actually I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Jack Nicholson. Um, like I like some of his, like, I like basically his major hits. I like, I like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I like the shining. I like Chinatown and that's, you know, that's pretty much it. I'm that there's not the rest of it. I could do without, um, there actually was a later movie they did called the pledge that I really like. I thought it was fantastic. in, um, which is also a kind of neo-noir. Um, but I, I just, I just hope that that happens. I hope it just doesn't fall to the wayside. Um, it'll just be fun to, to be able to see more of this character. <clears throat> so there you go. That's a seven for me. Yeah. Interesting. Because I'm also going to give it a seven. Well, I see. I knock your seven down to maybe a six or a five, because I really think you wanted to rate Chinatown as a four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Charles Xavier. Are you in my head? I think so. <laughs> No, I um, I I give this a seven, solid seven. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you would never watch yeah. it again. I think if it was on TV, yeah, I'd zone into it. I'd never actively seek it out again. Yeah. But I did quite enjoy watching it. Okay. I, I enjoyed not the comedy aspects. That we said it's not comedy. Right. But I enjoyed the more sort of happy-go-lucky bits of it, and I like seeing the character aged. I quite, I quite like that uh-huh. personally. I like seeing him, uh, seeing his growth, I agree. Um, and seeing them little snippets of what he used to be like, but also 
the slightly different edge that he has now. Um, like Harvey yeah. Keitel, I did find it a bit clunky towards the end. I'm not going to lie. That was a bit hard going for about 10, 10 15 minutes. But mm-hmm. the ending, I thought, again, was great. So, yeah, yeah. all in all, the seven. All right. Well, good stuff. I like that. <clears throat> I like that you see some merit in there. <laughs> um, all right. Well, cool. So we got a seven and we got a seven. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I I personally would urge all of you guys, if you have not seen Chinatown, I would urge you to go out there and check it out and make it a double feature. Watch the two jigs afterwards. It's not necessary. Um but I think the two jigs does add to the character, um, you know, um, as a sequel. Um, I think that would be the main focus and the, the biggest takeaway. As Carly said, it's nice to see him older, wiser, different, uh, learned from his experience and seeing seeing how it's it's played out with, you know, the flashbacks and all that kind of stuff. Um, not necessarily because it's a sequel to Chinatown and a continuation of the story because it's loose sequel in my opinion that's vaguely connected and doesn't have to be um but uh go check it out i think they're both great movies um even though it's not carly's thing that's okay uh she sat through it (laughs) i did twice (laughs) twice (laughs) well yeah that's good it makes me happy i had a chinatown sandwich (laughs) chinatown to jake's chinatown there you go (laughs) All right. Um, how's it feel, Carly? This is the uh, this is the end of the season. This is the last episode. We went out with a, a whimper because <laughs> two I know. Movies I you think didn't we should have about. made it more fun. We should have made it more fun. We should have had like a Zoom party or something. Oh or yeah. DL. Well, we're gonna have to. Maybe we'll. I wonder what's gonna come with the next season. We're gonna. Maybe we should open it up, or maybe have a bonus episode where we we just we don't talk about a film per se, but we just do our our drink lineup like we talked about. We did mention that before. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should do that in between seasons and see how that goes. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. We should have an end of the show show. End of the show. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. It's like the end of the show show. And then we show each other our beers or something. I don't know. Show each I'm other thinking, our I'm beers? Just, yeah. All of the concoctions throughout <laughs> the series. Okay. <laughs> That could be fun. Or not. I don't know. <laughs> could be messy. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be fun to uh, sort of plan out next season and uh, put together a new list of uh, films to watch and see where we, we can take things, uh, make it bigger and better. And uh, I know uh, Ian's got some uh, artwork that uh, we're going to be able to utilize and sort of rebrand a little bit. So that'll be fun. Um but I guess people have, you know, 20 something episodes that they can uh, delve into and uh, hopefully check out some films they've either never, never heard of or been meaning to check out and never have. And, um, and hopefully we can we can do that again next uh, next season for them. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, I guess until uh, next season, uh, we will see you. Uh, we'll see you in a couple months. All right. Uh, take care. Have fun. Bye bye. Is looking at you, kid. Huh? Oh. Thanks for joining us this week on 
the Speakeasy in the Marcast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, available now on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films available on Amazon Prime. Thank <laughs> you.